Welcome to the Hotsy Totsy podcast. Hotsy Totsy is a membership club for women from all walks of life who like the finer things in life to come together and enjoy bespoke events in the magical nooks and crannies of London town, all with an Art Deco nod. This podcast will introduce you to some amazing and like-minded characters who love the golden 20s and 30s era and Art Deco movement as much as we do, as well as profile our wonderful Hotsy Totsy members. In this episode, I am so chuffed to be joined by two amazing guests. Firstly, Dr Pauline Foster, who is the Honorary Secretary of the University Women's Club in the heart of Mayfair. This club is a location for Hotsy Totsy's summer party on the 29th of June and is a hugely important and special place. We hear from Pauline all about its 130-year history and how it was founded by the pioneers of education for women. I am then joined by wonderful Hotsy Totsier Tracy Barr. Tracy is an independent strategy consultant specialising in healthcare and is an incredible supporter of women. I chat to Tracy all about her career, how being a woman in a heavily male environment has shaped her and her loves for singing and golf. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Hotsy Totsy podcast. Um, I am very excited today to be joined by the Honorary Secretary of the University Women's Club, Dr Pauline Foster. Now, the University Women's Club is the home um, of where we're going to be having the Hotsy Totsy summer party on the 29th of June and it looks incredible. I am so excited to bring our Hotsy Totsies to this stunning, stunning venue that not only is gorgeous but it is just steeped in history um and it's all thanks to this incredible woman gertrude jackson right back in 1883 is that right pauline yes i think it might be 1886 but i could be wrong it's it's close it's around then it's close yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the we're in the ballpark we're in the ballpark so um it's very interesting actually because when i've been mentioning it to people um a lot of people haven't heard of this this space. They're they're quite shocked that it exists in in Mayfair and it's this hub of amazingness. Would you mind talking us through a little bit about the history of it, if that's okay? Yes, uh, very happily. Um, it's not unusual for me to hear that um, very few people have heard about us, and that's not because we try to hide, uh, but it's just the way things have been. Um, it was it, it came about really because of the way that higher education was finally opening up to women after hundreds of years of being the exclusive domain of men uh, in the latter quarter of the 19th century. So finally, a few um, women were getting into Oxford or Cambridge allowed to uh, attend lectures, uh, they were given tutorials, they took the exams, uh, they did everything that the uh, male undergraduates did, but they were not awarded degrees, even if they passed the exams, even if they came top in the exams, they were not awarded degrees. This was a conscious decision by those universities uh, that the status of a degree was a male status. And what the women realised was that having spent these years at, uh, in, the, in the company of these uh, male um, undergraduates, uh, when the studies were finished, these, these men all went 
um, off to join men's clubs, of which there were absolutely loads uh, in London. And all of them had their doors shut to women. I mean, in some cases, literally, some of them wouldn't even let women across the threshold. Um, and so there was no place where these women could, these pioneering women who'd had a higher education could actually meet with each other, uh, apart from each other's like houses or um, they could, I suppose, have met in a hotel um, or a restaurant, but that was groups of women unaccompanied by men in the late 19th century being in a bar or a pub or a restaurant was pretty much an invitation uh, to men to come along and uh, pick them up. Uh, so it, it wasn't the sort of thing that a respectable woman would do. So given, given this lack of uh, a meeting place uh, where women could uh, gather, uh, and, and keep up with each other after coming out of university, uh, they decided to start their own club. It was the only thing to do. And you're right about Gertrude Jackson. Uh, she um, held this meeting in her house in Portman Square in 1886, uh, and 60 people <laughs> squeezed into this meeting to sort of put the proposition, what about we just start our own club? And there was this enthusiastic support for it. And so uh, they agreed very quickly that they would set it up like other social clubs. There'd be a, a sort of subscription, there'd be an annual, uh, there'd be a joining fee and then an annual subscription, which was the princely sum of one guinea, that is lovely figure, one pound, one shilling. Um, and they set about looking for premises where they could basically say, okay, this is our club, this is our space, so we can meet, so we can hang out together. And they started out having uh, finding premises in um, New Bond Street, um, where they managed to secure like um, a drawing room, uh, I think it was a dining room. Uh, there was like a dressing room <laughs> as well, funnily enough. Um, and did 200 members pretty much to start with quickly showed that that was not sufficient. And within a few years, they were looking for larger premises, which they found in um, Maddox Street. And then they wanted even larger premises. By 1904, they were in George Street. And that was the first place where they actually uh, hire, uh, will be able to rent a space that had bedrooms as well, so they could stay at night. So you could go there, you could eat there, you could hang out there, you could get changed there if you wanted to go to the theatre, you could stay overnight. Um, but the membership was still growing. It was such a popular idea amongst, as, as these women were coming through Oxford and Cambridge, there was more and more of them every year, uh, and by 1918, there were 800 members of the club, 800. It's far too many to fit into these few rooms above, you know, on the second or third floor in wherever it was, uh, George Street. So they took the decision, um, which was spectacularly um, clever and foresightful, to buy the freehold of somewhere where they would have the whole house. So they kind of went shopping 
for a premises that they could, uh, they could all club together using debenture um, monies. And they lit upon a two Audley Square, which happened to be for sale, and bought it in 1921. So that's been our home ever since. We've just had our 100 years celebration of being in Audley Square. It's a house, it's a full house, as you've seen it. You know, it's, it's a great place. It's got lots of space. Um, and But most importantly, it belongs to us. So there's no landlord. Uh, there's no there's no possibility that we will be turfed out because we haven't paid the rent. The house belongs to the members. The freehold belongs to the members, and that makes us a unique club, really. Absolutely, I just think it's so inspiring that these women at that women at that time had the the foresight in the first place to start their own club, and then you know were brave enough to think this isn't what we need. I'm going to go after what we need um i imagine there were a very uh, quite a lot of male feathers ruffled during that time watching these women grow and evolve and, and make their mark really yes i've never thought about that actually but i wouldn't be surprised i mean given that um it took until 1918 for oxford to allow their women undergraduates to be given a degree it took until then, uh, and it took Cambridge until 1948 to do the same thing. You can sort of see this. Un there's an undercurrent, extremely strong and very long-lasting, of uh, of men just basically see seeing women as not likely to succeed. Why bother with them? Why give them a degree? Why let them in? And why should their club? be important <laughs> or successful. I, I think that now that's passed. There are men, men's clubs allow women in. They can see that women equal income. You know, women have spending power and they want them to be members. Um, but there is still uh, nothing like um, the University Women's Club for providing that a um, uh, place where women can get on with life, get on with, not get on with life, it's sort of get on with uh, socialising without men there <laughs> as members. And men, men, men are allowed in. We're not like don't darken our door. It's not like the most old-fashioned clubs that was freak out if a woman came in. Um, this, is, this is more like men come in as guests and they don't have power and they can't be in control and they can't run the place. Um, this is still very much um, a, a women's success story. And we're all about that, let's be honest. And, you know, even though things are a million times better than they were, there is still that battle that women fight on a daily basis for equality in so many ways, isn't there? You know, we're having it with, with childcare at the moment, for example, that's very prime and topical. Um, and it is still hard being a woman and it's hard to find that equality and find that respect so to have that space I imagine women then would have been overwhelmingly special and unique to be able to just congregate with like-minded women and chew the fat a little bit and you know talk about life as it is and and you know drop into that these incredibly educated women as well imagine if those walls could talk it would have been incredible wouldn't it to hear what conversations were going on 
yeah, and you, you're, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. This is um, a place where, well, I like to I like to say this: we own that place and we're in charge of it. And whatever it is, however it evolves over the years, it's driven by what the members want it to be. So what what and that's really important. The the management of the club is basically elected by the membership. So there's a general committee that um, doesn't do the day-to-day running of it. Obviously, we have to employ people to do that, but very much the direction of it and the the decisions about what we're going to be like and what we're going to do and how we're going to change um, is all driven from the bottom up. So it's all the membership um feeding upwards to the general committee who are elected from the membership um, what we want it to be so it's really i i would i would say it's not at least bit stuffy it's not in the least bit saying well these are the traditions that we've held in here since you know 1721 or something it's like this and it shall always be like this it's not like that it's more like this is um 2023 what do we want the club to be like in 2033 what should we be doing now to make women in 2033 still want to be a member of the club or you know just come along and say yes this is a club i want to join so it's 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 very much reflecting the changing lives of women i would say um over you know it's not it's not 1886 any longer thank god but it is 2023 and we still have things to fight for. Absolutely. And I dare say we always will. And we need places like yours to be able to feel safe and congregate and make those make those plans that are going to change the world, don't we? Um, how So how long have you been part of the club and, and what evolution have you seen since, since you've been there and what changes uh, are you really interested to hear? Uh, well, going back to what you said right at the beginning, you know, I had no idea that this club existed, even though I am a Londoner and an academic, therefore a university woman. I didn't know anything about this club until a friend of mine um, took me to an open evening as a bit of a laugh, <laughs> really. <laughs> and And I did go along with this sort of I can't believe this place exists. And I did rather expect it to be stuffy and old-fashioned. And I had no intention of joining um, any club. Um, But I was absolutely captivated by it, by going in there. I mean, the building is very beautiful. And it's amazing that in Mayfair, you can just go in to... You always imagine that houses like that are... You know, they're they're just inhabited by extremely rich people that, you know, would never let you across their threshold. But you can just go in. And um, it was charming and it was welcoming and it opened my eyes to what it could be like to be a member of a social club, which I'd never thought of before. So I joined on the spot and that was um, 15 years ago. I had the initial impression that the membership then... So that was 2008, something like that, was oh, the, mostly the membership that I saw then when I went in there tended to be older than me. Um, and I would say that 
uh, now, because I'm a lot older, uh, but there are many, many, many more younger women around there. So I think there has been a shift in the demographic there, um, which which has slightly surprised me because um, I, I yes, I am surprised at how many women in their twenties um, join it. Um, Perhaps because when I was in my 20s, I would never have even, I wouldn't have considered it. I would have thought it was ridiculous. And they don't see it like that. They see it as absolutely fantastic. And at the open evenings, I am talking, I I get an open evening happens every month. And it's just prospective members who, who come in and want to sort of ask lots of questions about what the club is and have a look at it. And I would say, three quarters of the women I speak to are in their 20s or early 30s which 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 is different I think I think that has been a difference over the last 15 years um and it's great because they I don't know I wouldn't normally meet people in in that age group necessarily now anymore you know but and they wouldn't necessarily meet people in my age group but so there's this great mingling this great mingling of of, of women at different stages of their careers isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And I, th- I think there's been this emergence, hasn't there, of, of females, young women starting their own businesses, following their entrepreneurial path, you know, for example. And they, they need that space to, to work, to, to have a community, to mix, to mingle. And isn't that inspiring, going to somewhere where you see your peers and, you know, women that you admire that are maybe a little bit older, who you can have conversations with and learn from and, and share their energy you know you don't have to stay in your lane anymore do do you which is wonderful there's almost this this free-for-all no matter what age you are to to have accessibility to places like yourselves which is so powerful and incredible isn't it that's absolutely right Uh, and I think it undermines all the time you know we are not stuffy we're all interested in each other you know it doesn't matter if you've been a member for 50 years which is true, some members have had a very long time, or you've been a member for just a few days. There's, there is a very great mingling. And it, it's also the only place I think I've ever uh, been in where uh, people will, I say people, of course I mean women, because it is women, they will just start chatting to everybody. So you're very unlikely to go there and sit by yourself nursing a drink in the corner. <laughs> um people will start talking to you. And that is really nice. This is how you strike up friendships that you would never have imagined and meet people from walks, people, I keep saying people, I do mean women, from walks of life that um, you would not normally have otherwise encountered. And and one of the big benefits for me um, being a member is uh, I, I realised after... Um, in my career as an academic, that my circle of people that I socialised with were almost entirely academics. And and even worse than that, they were almost entirely within my discipline. (laughs) And um, But at the club, I meet people who are not academics or in my discipline and who come from amazing walks of life they are entrepreneurs or they're lawyers um or they work in finance or they work in fashion um 
they and they they have amazing background stories all of them and i'm just really grateful that i've got to be in the same room as them you know and sat with them and had had lunch with them or had dinner with them or gone to an event with them and it's like amazing i didn't even know such ways existed of earning a living because i've been stuck in academia for so long it's really it's been really good for me yeah it sounds incredible and i'm sure they feel the same being sat around the table with you you know it's it's this broadening your horizons a bit isn't it and and, and you know dipping your toe into other people's world and having the opportunity to do that and i think that's what makes me smile so much is that this is all happening in a central London location that you people would just probably walk past and not even understand the magic that's sort of happening behind closed doors, really. It, it's incredible, isn't it? And, you know, God love Gertrude Jackson for having that foresight and, and you know, strong-willedness to think we need our own space here. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, the, the terribly sad thing about Gertrude Jackson, I mean, she was a, clearly a big mover and shaker, and she must have been absolutely delighted at how the club was founded and it expanded. And then she died in 1920, just before we bought the house. I mean, just before we did the biggest step, which was to become the owners of that house, um, she had uh, unfortunately died. But she is still, I mean, we've got her pictures up, you know, there's various photographs and drawings of her and, and so she I think we na- we're going to name a bedroom after her we're going to have a Gertrude Jackson bedroom because she's such a um yeah well she deserves it really she deserves to be commemorated in in this way not not just you know the occasional person spotting her picture on the wall but um someone booking a bedroom and and seeing oh I've got the Gertrude Jackson room tonight you know I wonder who she is <laughs> Absolutely. And then the unravelling begins, doesn't it? And I totally love it. I mean, Hotsy Totsy was founded, uh, inspired by the women of, of the 20s, you know, these women that were doing what they want for the first time in their lives, you know, they were having their hair how they wanted, they were drinking, they were sleeping with who they wanted. And the men just did not know what to do with them. They confused the hell out of them. And they terrified them, actually. And I think that's, um, you know, symptomatic to what happens sometimes when women are doing good things, i.e. being academic, being very clever. Sometimes that feels very challenging to men, doesn't it? Which is why they have to keep them back in the box. You know, you can't get a degree till, what was it, 1948 at Cambridge, did you say? In in Cambridge, yes, it's 1948 before they would actually hand over the bit of paper. Is that right? It's absolutely, it's incredible if you think about it now. It's it's completely like you've got to be joking. I mean, a lot of people, when I say that, I, when I'm telling them about about the history of the club, they simply don't believe me. It's it's almost comical. It is. It is almost comical. What argument can you bring forward and say they've been to classes, they've written all the essays, they've passed all the exams, and you're still saying no, you can't have the degree? What argument can you bring forward? You know, none. There isn't an argument. There's just fear. There's just we we've had this to ourselves all these hundreds of years, and we're not sharing it with women. Is absolutely threat threatened men. Threatened are, uh, men, yes, a force to behold, aren't they? <laughs> and you know what? The the future's female. Let's be honest. I mean, we'll be running the world in a hundred years. I hope so, because we could just do it so much better. <laughs> well, you see us have a taster of it, don't you? And it goes quite well. But obviously. 
the men in the suits don't quite like that, do they? But we'll we'll keep fighting our good fight, definitely. Um, but we are so excited about having our summer party with you. We feel that it's the perfect, perfect venue. Um, we're all very excited. Um, we're hoping for sun, so let's do a little sun dance for the 29th of, of June. I really hope you'll have a, a lovely sunny evening so that you can be out in the garden because that's that's the best place to party in the summer is outside yeah definitely and you know what give them a bit of wine pauline they'll be outside anyway so it'll be fine i'm sure <laughs> you can do that they're a very very good uh serving staff who will keep the wine flowing i'm sure absolutely absolutely but honestly i could talk to you all day i find it so fascinating and thank you so so much for joining me and you know sharing the story of this incredible club i have i'm in no doubt um we're going to have a few hotsy totsies joining up when they get a look at it for sure thank you pauline for taking the time um how can people find you is it just best on the website the university women's club if you search for that you'll they'll find you won't they yeah university women's club um will land on our website and take you from there fabulous lovely thank you so much and i look forward to seeing you on the 29th for a glass of wine hopefully my pleasure <laughs> take care thank you pauline bye-bye bye-bye Hello, I am really, really chuffed today to be joined by one of our absolutely incredible Hotsy Totsiers. Now, I have known the lovely Tracy Barr for many, many years, having met through Sister Snog, this uh, wonderful um, female business networking club. And I will be honest, I used to think of Tracy as Chandler from Friends because I was never quite sure what she did because she did so many things and she's got so many fingers in so many pies. And it's only since getting to know the wonderful Tracy that I've really got to learn about this incredible, incredible lady, her history uh, and what she does. And she is an independent uh, consultant specialising in healthcare. Uh, she loves a golf. She likes a little drink. She's incredible and she's been an absolute supporter of Hotsy Totsy and I can't thank you enough. So let's hear from her. Hello, Tracy. How are you? Hi, Karen. I'm really well, thank you. And I really appreciate you inviting me on here to have a, have a nice chat. <laughs> oh, it's lovely to have you here. And um, so tell us about yourself, first of all. Tell us what you do. Um, you know, tell us about your work and what you've been doing for so many years. Um, well, I'm, as you kindly said, I'm an independent strategy consultant specialising in healthcare. And I've been doing that by myself for about 20 years. And I go into um, primarily NHS organisations and primarily hospitals to work on sort of large scale strategic projects. Um, the best way to explain what I do really is to give you a, a, a feel for some of the projects I've worked on. So uh, I'm currently working on the uh, business case for um, an orthopaedic centre of excellence on the Guy's Hospital site, which would be a new facility um, with eight theatres to really treat the most complex orthopaedic patients across from across southeast London. And to do that, we need to secure capital, probably over 100 million of capital. So I'm writing and coordinating the business case, working closely with the clinical and operational teams and the design teams to make the case to get the capital uh, funding for that project. 
another type of project I'm doing at the moment. I, I, so the scale varies. I'm working with a digital health organisation, writing a, a white paper on the role that their solution uh, plays in helping to retain the workforce, which is obviously a very hot, hot issue at the moment for the NHS. So um, th that probably explains the sort of breadth and, uh, and variety of the things I do. It's amazing what you do and you are giving so much and so much expertise with some incredible, incredible results. And what I love about you and your story is that the, um, you were very much a woman in a man's world at times, weren't you? From the very start of your career, working your way up to where you are now. And that really resonates with me because Hotsy Totsy is that sort of essence of these women in the 20s that, that were, you know, forging their own path and going against the status quo and, you know, and maybe being the only woman in the room at that certain time. Um, can you tell me a bit about that and how that's really forged your outlook and your ethos sort of moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it probably, as with many things, stems back to childhood. So um, I'm a product of a, a single parent, single mother. Um, so very female household. I do have a, um, a middle a brother, a younger brother, who was brought up around with three other women. Um, so I suppose right from the start, um, that role model of a very strong sort of female um, in my life probably shaped a lot of what I, you know, how I've become. But um, I grew up in a small rural area in Cumbria and was very probably quite blessed to be able to have a choice about what kind of subjects I, I went on to study at A-level. I, I actually was equally as good at music and English as I was at uh, maths and science. So um, when it came to sort of deciding what to do, um, I was definitely influenced by the fact that I knew I need, if I wanted to go to university, I needed to get a, a well-paid job um, just to justify it. And um, I looked around, and at that time, the, there was a push to get women into engineering, which probably coming from a small school, I didn't realise that there weren't very many women in engineering. And so off I tootled um, to university to do uh, engineering. And the course I applied for, they encouraged you to get sponsorship. So... Um, I, I sort of threw my hat into the ring and was very, very fortunate to get sponsored by Ford Motor Company. Um, I had to do a year before I went to university with them. And probably that's the first time that I've really felt a woman in a man's world because my first placement was at Dagenham Body and Assembly Plant. And this is back in the um, 1980s. The only other women in the plant were the tea ladies who were old enough to be my nana. So um, I had to walk a mile to the nearest ladies' toilets. And every time I went out onto the shop floor, there was some kind of industrial action because there was a woman on the floor. So it was a, a 18 years old. It was a bit of a, a bit of a, a fiery start, and I really didn't know if I could cope with it. But I was determined to stick it out because they paid me to go to university, and I didn't want to let my mum down. And I, um, I, I, through that year, I really toughened up. And when I got to university, it was really good training because. Actually, I was the only girl on my course at Manchester. Um, so I've now got a whole load of big brothers from that course, but I spent four years doing my engineering degree. Um, and then when I started work, I decided not to go into the engineering world, um, but went into strategy consulting. And the consulting firm I joined, LEK, again, it was uh, the women, women were in the minority. Um, so I think probably, I, I, you know, sort of I've always been in that world where, 
Um, I'm a softly spoken uh, northern working class woman in a, in a world where uh, nobody else seems to be like me. But in, in many ways, that means that you are memorable. So you've just got to use it to your advantage. Do you know what? Absolutely well said. And I just think you are so incredible. And that resilience that you showed as an 18 year old thrust into that environment, you know, I don't think a lot of us would have stuck with it. But like you said, you had your mum front and centre, didn't you? The fact that they were paying for university, you were almost like, this is it, I've got to get through it, haven't you? It was uh, incredible. And do you think that's really set the path for you going forwards in terms of your choices and, and the fact that you are quite brave in, in, in what you do when you started your own business, etc.? Yeah, I, I, I've never really felt brave. I think I've just felt driven. Um, so um, I always I feel very lucky um, to have had a education um, and um, and the support from a parent to do to, to make the choices that I wanted to make and I didn't really want to waste them so um, do I, I I do think it's a bit of a sliding doors thing because if I was from a different background I, I wouldn't have chosen the path that I did I probably would have <laughs> would have chosen music or arts um, but I didn't feel that I could do I, I really didn't feel I could make that choice because I, I needed to sort of not not to pay back, but I wanted to um, make sure that I was able to provide um, financial security um, and stability to my family, um, and that definitely ha- has shaped me. And I think I've probably just realised that I'm probably braver than I am. You know, it's it's, it's like that Pooh Bear um, advert, is uh, not cartoon. You know, you you forget sometimes that people see me as brave but I don't see myself as that so it's always interesting well I see you very very much as brave but when you're in it yourself you just get on with it don't you and that is the very northern woman way (laughs) as a fellow northern woman we just get our head down and get on with it don't we um but it's I just think you're incredible and I, I love this um this story and this this windy road that you've got to to end up where you are and, and sort of everything happens for a reason doesn't it really in terms of learnings and who you meet and like you say those sliding doors moments it does I think I, I, I don't know if you, you probably had it probably everybody's had it that interview question where do you want to be in five years time and I never have answered it with a a specific I want to be doing this in this uh, in this organization um, because I think um the world changes so quickly but the most important thing is to do something that you love and be happy um in because when you're doing that you really do thrive and you know each time i've realized that i'm not enjoying something either in my business or my personal life it's just taking that leap of faith in yourself to make a change and change is quite uncomfortable isn't it but um i I can't think of any changes that have happened that haven't been that i've chosen uh, that haven't been for the uh, a, a change in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. And you know, we're, we're only here once, aren't we? So we have to spend our our time wisely with the people and doing things we love. And and speaking about things you love, you're an avid golfer. You're a member of a choir. You know, you are the most supportive woman I think I've ever met. You are there for your friends and your your colleagues and everybody, no matter what. Um, it's you're a very special lady. So tell me about you know the golf, the the choir. I mean, that fills you with so much joy. You can tell when you when you talk about them. So I was a passionate hockey player, as, as, we, as you know. Um, and if I'm completely honest, I would have carried on playing that. But I've got so, I got so many injuries that uh, when I hit 40, I really had to stop. And my body still 
is suffering from many of those injuries. So, um, but I had so much pleasure from being part of a team and, you know, lifelong friendships were formed both at university and post-university from the teams I played in. So I, I sort of went into golf feeling a little bit hesitant if I'm honest because I you know it's a it's a it's an individual sport primarily um and I'd not played it before and I'd been very good at hockey and I not I wasn't very good at golf um so um I, I didn't really have great expectations but off I went with thinking oh it can't be that difficult and actually it's quite it's quite a difficult sport but what I found is a real um a, a, another lovely bunch of um mainly women who um also play sport and although it's not a team sport there's a real uh, community and actually the friendships I've formed through golf have been uh, have have sort of been equally as strong as the friendships I've formed um, through the hockey uh, and that's partly um, I think particularly um, I've noticed it as I've got older you know sort of I'm I'm, I'm in my late fifties now um, so it's been really nice to meet some new new women who actually I'm, it's quite nice being one of the younger ones at the golf club I was definitely one of the older ones at the hockey so that's quite nice um but actually we do lots of, we all have lots of fun we uh, go away on golf trips but probably during the pandemic that's when I realized that I really had made some very solid friends for life through golf because every Thursday for two hours we had what we call our bubbles group get together and as a single person living by myself and not seeing anybody during the pandemic those weekly meetups with a glass of wine each over you know virtually were so important to my mental health and just feeling um, a sense of belonging and then the choir I've always loved singing I was in the church choir so you don't ever sit next to me in church because I like to belt out a hymn and it's very <laughs> my, my family don't want to sit next to me in church when, when that's happening but um, I suppose I re rediscovered my joy of singing um, when I moved back into London after I got divorced and it, I really had wanted to join the choir for a very long time and because then I, I didn't really have to be, I could be selfish um, because nobody else really minded what I was doing in the evening. Uh, I joined uh, London City Voices, which is a community choir, and I absolutely love it. I've been, I've been in it now for seven years and singing lifts my heart and always makes me feel really positive. So, and, and the choir, it's a very diverse choir. There's no auditions. There's people from all sorts of different backgrounds and we do loads of things to fundraise for very um worthy causes so um yeah two passions that um i suppose i've discovered later in life yeah isn't that great though and you know i think that's what it's all about as women isn't it it's keep discovering and keep trying things and keep finding those new little tribes that you can dip into so you know it, it's brilliant and i just adore your story i adore your your outlook i think you're such a positive gorgeous woman and i can't thank you enough for your support for hotsy totsy um the best place for people to get hold of you if they would like to is what would you say online is definitely linkedin so linkedin is my place um where i really do you know sort of a, a social media wise that's probably the best way to sort of contact me is through there or actually i i absolutely love an in-person networking event i really love people um and i like to meet people in real life where possible so um 
Hotsy Totsy. I love the events. A really interesting group of women um, and the variety of the events. I, you know, sort of sister snog. I, I obviously, obviously, that's primarily uh, online now, but there are some in-person events. But I, you know, I, I try to go to as many um, events as possible. Um, that I, if anybody's got any great events that they were, that they're holding, let me know because I, I, I try to. As, as Karen said, I do like to support people um, in, and, and you know, sort of. Whenever anybody's so, for example, um, you know, lovely Jess Baker um, her, and her Super Helper Syndrome book, um, I had the good fortune to go to her book launch. I'm now going to go with uh, on a table with her to the Business Book Awards. Um, you know, I'll, I'll meet some other new people there. Um, all of those things I love to do. So um, yeah, c- catch me on LinkedIn or um, on uh, at events. Amazing. And yeah, I completely agree with you on events. And there's some incredible women doing some brilliant things that need a bit of cheerleading now and again. And you are the top dog for that. And no doubt about it. Um, Tracy, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to speak to me. I so appreciate it. Um, and I will see you very soon. Hotsy totsying, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really appreciate you sort of inviting me on here. I love what you're doing with Hotsy Totsy and I really, you're fantastic in supporting me with my social media and marketing. So I wouldn't choose anybody else and love my fellow Northern women. You're very strong and and inspiring. So thank you. And thank you. I'm going to go have a cry now. Um, <laughs> have a lovely afternoon and thank you so much, Tracy. All the love. Take care, my love. Thank you. Lots of love. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Hotsy Totsy podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Hotsy Totsy is a female-only membership club for women who are walking their own walk and are spirited, fun and fabulous to come together and enjoy a range of bespoke and exclusive events. Please do give us a follow on Instagram at hotsy underscore totsyers and find out more on the Hotsy Totsy website, which is hotsy-totsy.co.uk. Thank you.